the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today is the last day of November, and as my my grandson told me, Christmas, Pop, Christmas. <laughs> but he had a good time on Thanksgiving too. He he ate like a like a, a true Ellswick. He got in there and he got it away. Huh? Well, he put some food away and then put away a couple pieces of pie, some chocolate chip cookies. As I was telling. Uh, uh, my wonderful uh, producer Heidi, I'm a crazy baker. I had already, I've already baked almost over ten dozen cookies. Wow! And there's only like a third of them left. Wow! My my, my grandkids are good at eating them. I had on on Thanksgiving, I had four uh, grandbabies at my house. And uh, they uh, ate a lot of cookies, <laughs> a lot of cookies. Because I'll be honest, I don't say no. You know, you guys you're not supposed you to. I, I made those cookies you're, you're for you to eat. I made you. I made those for you to eat. Well, what do they call you, Dave? Uh, one one of my uh, grandsons calls me Pop. Okay. And the rest of them call me Granddad. All right. So uh, yeah, Pop is his his way. I don't know why he picked that. Everybody else around me calls me Granddad. But he says, Pop. You know, he says, hey, Pop. He's always talking to me. Uh, we uh, we had a little inc- inc- incident happen uh, here in a couple days ago. Uh, he was over visiting, and uh, Linda was opening the closet to get something and forgot that there was something in the closet, and he saw it. Oh. Well, when she, he saw it, for whatever reason... She couldn't come up with a, an excuse for why it was there, and uh, she just gave it to him. So the cat's out of the bag. And well, yeah, well, yeah, it's out, that's out of the bag. Uh, that that particular toy. Now it's a cool toy. It's two foot long from nose to the end of its tail. It's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh wow! And it's uh, it's uh, it's electronic. And uh, you know, it used to be when they were electronic, they always had a wire that ran from the from the toy to the controller yeah. not anymore they're uh, they run on like wi-fi or something and this one he roars he shakes his head <laughs> he he, sh- he snaps his tail around wow. his eyes light up and then you put water in him oh and, and he blows he blows he blows out this mist 
mm-hmm. and his mouth lights up red, so it looks like he's breathing fire. Man. And it walks, you know, <laughs> and whatever, and he loves it. I, I mean, he, does. I, he loves it. And he got it early. His green, Yeah, his green <laughs> army men have no... They're just in trouble. They're getting stomped on. Godzilla is on their loose. And oh man, you know what you have to get him next, right? What's that? A King Kong. Yeah, when it when it comes out, probably we'll get him one. Be honest with you, I'm sure when a Godzilla comes out, because the a Godzilla like that's not around. The spines on his back oh. should light up. You know, it should go down or go up, whichever way it, I think it goes up. Uh, to to when he fun, breathes his radioactive breath, you know that white breath that yeah, you see yeah. come out of him, and then uh, you know everybody thinks uh, Godzilla is just going to whoop on King Kong oh, when they no, meet up. No, no, I think uh, you're going to be surprised at how big King Kong is now. Yeah. He's big, big. He's huge. Yeah, has uh, God, <laughs> has King Kong ever lost to Godzilla? No, no, I don't think they so. had one match. Yeah, that was back in the '60s in the Toho special and uh there there have been much better movies made uh for uh, godzilla and for king kong so we'll that's we'll one see where how king kong had to bite the electric line to get his strength yeah Arr! yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that was funny. <laughs> and all that. And that that's the one where they brought him in on the balloons yeah remember balloon, that yeah dropped him they knocked him out and then <laughs> dropped him in on balloons which i thought Big, big weather balloons. Yeah, my kids, they really, you know, I still like the old movies, and they'll look at those. They're laughing at the special effects, of course. Oh, now, yeah. Yeah, now they are. But for us back then, that was, I mean, that was big time. I watched an interesting series over uh, Thanksgiving. I had watched two episodes, and then I binged the rest of them uh, Saturday. Have you seen the one called Away? I have not. It's on Netflix. Have you seen Away? I've seen it, but I haven't. I've seen it advertised, but I haven't watched it. I'm surprised that I, I've learned that it's uh, they canceled it. Net, Netflix canceled it with all the people who had watched it. I mean, it was in the top ten for weeks, and they canceled it. It must have been because it was too much, too expensive to uh. to, to produce. But it's about the first trip to Mars. Oh. And it's really good. Hmm. It's excellent. What's really excellent about Iverson, you'll uh-huh. like this. One of the characters is Jewish, and he is always praying in the show. Huh. Whenever something big is coming up, he says a prayer for the crew man. in Hebrew. It's a good man to have on your team. That's <laughs> very, very cool. It was very good. So, so do they farm? Uh, they try. They're they're taking plants up to Mars with them to to terraform. Interesting. Yeah, you know, Mars. So because uh-huh. they say. From what they know, they can grow plants in the soil of Mars. I've read that hmm. in the, the the landers that they've had and and roving around and so picking there, up dirt and stuff. Is there carbon dioxide on Mars? I have no idea. Now you're That's, asking the wrong. Now you're getting into specifics. <laughs> I don't know for, if it does for, or not. Yeah, for that to work with plants, I mean, at least at least earthbound plants, it typically typically you need carbon dioxide. I mean, for it I, to be I mean, I, I enjoy those type of movies. Yeah. I, you guys know I like science fiction, and that uh, that movie. Look, I'm I'm not a big fan. What's the guy that was in The Martian? Uh, uh, Matt Damon. N- Matt Damon. I'm not a big fan of his because mm. he's such a lib, mm. but. Uh, he was great. You got to stop going to the movies. He was, he was, he was really out. Yeah. There's some people I don't go see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, won't, I won't give them my money. Right. But, uh, yeah, that uh, that movie was pretty good. 
the book was really good. Mm. The movie tried, mm. but uh, it was pretty good. I mean, there's some good good stuff in it and a lot of fun in it. It has the the really great ending, you know, happy uh, ending. You know, if you've seen it, you know what no. I'm talking about. But it's all right. It's it's pretty good science fiction. I've seen more science fiction lately, and have been that's been really good. You must have been a Buck Rogers fan, huh? Oh, I was a kid, yeah. <laughs> and, and Ming the Merciless and all of that. You better believe it. Absolutely. What was it? Uh, was it uh, Arden? Gail Arden? What the girl's name that was with I don't, Buck all the time? Or I, Flash? I, I guess my sci-fi starts with uh, the old Star Trek. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So. You know, Buck Rogers, you know, before him, it was Flash Gordon. Yeah, Flash Gordon. But they basically were interchangeable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. during the time. So those were great, great ones. I I, I still watch those. And yes, the the, the special <laughs> effects are absolutely terrible. It's just funny. They got a picture. They've got a model of a spaceship, and it looks like they've got a firecracker. <laughs> yeah, they got a firecracker and a sparkler yeah. stuck up the rear end yeah, of it. Funny. And it's they're swinging around, and then the monsters are always uh, 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 iguanas. Yeah, you know, walking yeah. across. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, you loved that stuff, though. I'll tell you what, one show that I used to love, and I went back and looked at it, I think maybe a couple of years ago, Land of the Giants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I was like... Before know, Will Ferrell made yeah. it into a movie, which yeah, was just yeah. absolutely terrible. But uh, I used to love the uh, regular thing back in the 60s, but it, uh, you know, it just didn't appeal. I, I watched, tried to watch a couple of episodes, and it just didn't have the it same. It did a really good job with that with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> You know, okay. making them small yeah, and, yeah. and making them, and I thought they did really, really well with that. Uh, the Incredible Shrinking Man, remember yeah. that with Marshall Thompson? That was a good one as well. That was a that one. The uh, what was it? Uh, special Effects Awards back in the day. Huh. You know, I I was what was the movie I watched this weekend? That uh, it was kind of a kids' fantasy film, and George hmm. Pal directed it now for people who aren't into science fiction you may not recognize george powell's name but if i told you the movies he directed you know immediately the original war of the worlds with gene barry oh wow he's the one he was the one that directed that uh what was the other one um the time machine or the world the original time Time Machine, machine which i you know, with the Morlocks and all of uh-huh. that was really well done. Yeah. And I, I, that, that's a movie I've always wanted to show as a classic, and I can't get it. They didn't mm-hmm. digitalize it. They did the Guy Pierce version of it, but that's not even close to being as wow. good as George Powell's version of wow. it. Wow. So um, it'd be interesting if I'll have to get with uh, Matt, and we'll start looking and see if it's uh, out there or not. So how was your all's Thanksgiving? Did you have a good time, Iverson? It was great. Absolutely okay. great. Um, girls cooked again. You know, that's one of the benefits of kids growing up is they start taking on the lion's share of the work. So, <laughs> so did, did you go to their house? Is that what you did? I did. did I did. Okay. I went to my mom's and uh, fried a turkey uh, for the gang and cool. then went over over there to uh, to the girls. Had okay. a great time. All right. Yeah. What about you, R.D.? It was at our, our house. Uh, <laughs> you know, all my... Um, my son came up from Dallas, so I had all the kids there, and I've got neighbors that come over when they don't go to Michigan to their family. So uh, we had, we had a, enough food for 50 people and had about 25 people. 
So uh, we're still working on it. Oh, man. <laughs> now, your son was home. Did your food bill go up because your son's home? Well, it will go up, yeah, Mike. It will go up, but uh, I couldn't tell over Thanksgiving because there's so much food in the house oh, right yeah. now anyway. Oh, yeah. so. It's everywhere. That's right. So. You know, how many pounds have you put on already? Couple? I don't know. Probably about four. Yeah. Probably don't about four long. pounds. But, yeah, that, yeah, I thought about you when we, my daughter made a big tub of heavy whipping cream. She used to hold about that big. Wow. So, Good stuff. Uh, so yeah, so that's yeah. really good. Stuff. The real thing, yeah, the real thing. It now, was I got good, the can. So. All right, I, at least my <laughs> first ingredient is cream, not some kind of chemical. Yeah, <laughs> all right. I think the first ingredient this weekend at my house was fat. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah, I had a lot hey, of that as well. Hey, you know, we don't we don't get concerned about that till twenty twenty one. Yeah, we'll about that's right. Yeah. That'll be our New Year's resolution. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, you, sir, and when we're talking to uh, Paul, he had his Thanksgiving the weekend before Thanksgiving. Uh, and th- th- then I went out with friends Thursday, so so we had it twice. Where did you go out to? Well, just, well we didn't go out to a restaurant. We went to a fr- some friend's house. Oh, some yeah. friend's house. Yeah. They, they had plenty of food for oh, you? Oh, yes. Yeah, so my, my mother and sister and I went. went with some. Did they know who they were inviting over they, to their They house? did actually know. And that you so can it, consume, you know. Large and I, and I, I did consume probably a, a maybe about 40% more than I should have. Yeah, wow. Well, but, I um, ate quite a bit. But I watched the football games, if you want to call it, watching the Detroit Lions, somebody watching, <laughs> watching football, and I watched the, the Dallas game, of course. Oh, you know, the they have a team? Yeah, they do, but they have problems with their team right uh, now. We'll <laughs> see what they can do. But, of course... Saturday was a good day because it was all college football. And if they didn't have college football like on ESPN yeah. or ESPN Tour, they had college basketball huh. is on and running now. I love college basketball. I'm wow. from Indiana, folks. Yeah, yeah. That is the sport is is basketball. So 19 minutes after uh, <laughs> 6 o'clock, we got to catch up on all the important stuff. Not saying that what we're doing is not important, but – the important things are like traffic and weather and some updates on news and things of that nature. So let's get around to it. 20 after 6 on a Monday on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, I'm checking out the Riverdale 10 VIP Cinema right now because, as you know, a week from tomorrow will be our December our, our uh, December uh, classic movie, and that is It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, we had a lot of people that were signing, you know, paying to come see that movie. So let me look real quick, see what's going on. We is it three or four theaters now? Well, I'm looking uh, right now. It's saying two, but that doesn't mean that they've upgraded because mm-hmm. I'm looking. I'm looking at screen one. It's full. You, you always figure the first three rows you're not going to sell anyway because people nobody, don't want. Nobody get really a, wants. Nobody to wants to get a crick up. in their yeah. neck. So. Uh, the 710, let me look at that here and see how it's looking. And, uh, oh, they still got seats for that. Just know that when you buy your seats, uh, COVID-19, you know, there's, all they're things, spreading people out. Extra. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's six feet between you and the person next to you. So what if you come with your family? Okay, they sit? put you all together. Yeah. You know, if you want to be all together. So let's say you, there's four of you. Yeah. 
and so they they make sure you're all four together but then on either end there's nobody next to you so we spread everybody out that way they do a good job with that Uh, matt smith has done a good job uh doing that so if you're wanting to see it's a wonderful life riverdale10.com go buy your tickets now um because especially if you want to go early and and see the the picture because uh the next one will probably be at seven twenty seven thirty when they start uh, and i expect that to happen sometime uh, uh does it start with week. like a matinee or is it running all no day it or? runs seven o'clock okay we start at seven theater two starts at seven ten the way that they do movies now makes it really easy because it used to be you had a reel-to-reel movie. Right. You actually had, you know, something of, real I don't film. know, you, you had a real film there. Now, everything is digitalized, and, and even the even the uh, projectors are digitalized, so you can dr- download it into the, uh, the projector. And let's say we're showing It's a Wonderful Life, and we find out a lot of people want to see it, then we can just find another movie that, you know, you get three or four people a day to come in to see, Just and it. you go ahead and cancel it and put another one on, and people come in to buy their their tickets, uh, and they get, uh, you know, the next one, next theater. The biggest one we've ever ha- had was 12 theaters. We filled every wow. theater up Grief. at Riverdale 10, and it was wow. Blazing Saddles. Really? <laughs> oh, wow. And, and what wow. we did, and what wow. we did is we we produ- we. we promoted that and we'll promote it again next year because we're going to show it again next year i just don't know what month yet uh we promote that as our our first amendment movie yeah because you could not make that movie today (laughs) i'm just being honest you could not make that movie today have you do you guys watch tmc turner classic movies no watch it some because it is so funny to watch all the women smoking cigarettes (laughs) (laughs) do you notice that heidi I mean, seriously, smoking's just second nature in those movies oh, back yeah, in, yeah. The, in the 40s and 50s. And they made it 50s. look so cool. Yeah, now, now you watch a movie, and at the top it says, violence, sex, gore, explicit sex, smoking. <laughs> I mean, they got smoking up there, as, yeah. you know. Uh, don't let your children watch this. Yeah, and, Andy on. Griffith used to smoke. You know, on the, on the Andy Griffith then. show. Yeah, I don't oh, yeah. remember that either. Yeah, yeah. You go Th- back and look at some. It, it wasn't every episode, but every right. once in a while, they'd have him smoking a cigarette. Mm. He'd stand out on the porch. So I wonder nah. which, which which cigarette company was did, he advertising did he ever, for? Did he ever advertise for anybody? No, no I didn't see, see a brand no. on him. No, on a no, brand on a pack, he pulled yeah. out. Yeah, but he was smoking. So Heidi, have you have you seen Mason? Yeah, oh yeah, that was big. Have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Did you see the movie with Quentin Tarantino? Oh, it's hilarious. Uh, I love that movie. I watched it again this weekend. It came on, and I got to watch it again. And it's uh, so well written. It's so well done. If you're if you're a child of uh, the late '60s, you'll want to watch it. But uh, stay around and watch the credits because you got Leonardo DiCaprio in character of this co- this cowboy kind of character. He does doing a cigarette commercial, uh, and he does this. You know, it doesn't no no harshness on your throat and all this other stuff and then it, they go cut and he goes <laughs> he throws the cigarette down you know <laughs> it, it tastes like boop. 
kind of thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. anyway, we'll be back in a moment. We want to talk about what the Supreme Court came up with just a few days ago. Back with you. Don't forget, they still have the uh, research study going on for COVID-19, and they need healthy volunteers for that. The study is now enrolling here in the Little Rock area. If you want to help uh, them research an investigational vaccine for COVID-19, then here's how you participate in the clinical trial. You, you're going to have the access to no-cost study-related care. You'll also have the opportunity to uh, help advance COVID-19 research. You don't have to have insurance to take part. If you're an adult, you're in good or stable health, you may be able to qualify. So if you're interested in, you know, trying this all out, call 501-954-7822. That's 501-954-7822 or go online to C19, it's the letter C, the number 19 vaccine study, and that's one word, dot com, and you'll be able to find out if you are eligible. That's uh, 501-954-7822 or c19vaccinestudy.com, and you'll find out uh, if you're eligible for the study. All right, Robert uh, Steinbach is joining us uh, here on the phone. He, of course, is a law professor uh, over at the Bowen School of Law, and his opinions are his and his alone. Robert, big decision over the weekend. Uh, You know, we've got uh, a lot of things going on uh, as far as uh, things are concerned. Uh, When you look at uh, this Supreme Court, and they got a decision over the weekend, I believe, right, uh, Robert, and it had to do with the... Uh, these restrictions that Cuomo was putting or Como was putting on in New York State, he was saying that your church couldn't get together if it was more than X amount of people, and the Supreme Court said uh, X nay whatever in Pig Latin and and told that uh, <laughs> told the governor he was wrong and to stand down. Big win for uh, for church uh, rights uh, over the weekend. Dave. And here's what's interesting and frustrating. First of all, as you well know, Chief Justice Roberts voted with the liberals of the court. And he's one of those appointees that in the long run turns out to have started as a conservative or appeared to be a conservative. We've had several of these, right? Souter was one of them. There are plenty of them and turned liberal. By the way, how come no judges ever turned conservative <laughs> from liberal? That's the curious question. But all of the liberals said, well, you see, Cuomo r- retracted the rule. So there's nothing to see here. You know, move along, move along like the old Star Wars line goes. And it's amazing to me that liberals, who are the ones who are generally more skeptical of government power and government enforcement, and by the way, libertarians are sympathetic with that, and I'm sympathetic with that, and I think basically everybody on this show is sympathetic with that, which is we're always a little wary of government getting too big and too powerful, be it for conservative ends or uh, leftist ends. And the liberals say, well, Cuomo retracted it, so there's nothing to be done here. You guys can always come back if he puts it back in place. And then, then you have a game of whack-a-mole. 
Right. Oh, uh, you guys got to wear masks uh, everywhere you go, including your bathroom for the for the next three weeks. You get to the Supreme Court retracted. Sorry, nothing to see here. Retracted. That's not. And of course, the majority said, well, that's that's ridiculous. But this is what baffles me. Now, conservatives all along have said, we believe that the elected officials are the ones that should be making policy choices. I still, of course, subscribe to that notion. It's the legislature, excuse me, the judiciary is not supposed to be a super legislature. But when you have a policy decision made by, say, in this case, Cuomo, that comes in conflict, not with another policy decision, not with the policy preferences of nine unelected judges, but with the permanent policy preferences. What are the permanent policy preferences, Dave? The Constitution. We have a permanent policy preference that religion shall not be unduly impacted. That's a policy. But it's permanent. And what is it? What, what, what does Robert say? Well, we're not going to get in the middle of it. Yes, you are. That's <laughs> what you're actually supposed to be doing. And while Paul and I disagree on the scope of the power of the court, Paul agrees with me or I agree with him that when it comes to a conflict between the Constitution and a policy preference, the policy always agree, uh, always wins. So well, even where we disagree... This doesn't apply. Hopefully, but sometimes the courts disagree with both of us there, and and they decide that mm-hmm. the, that the, the Constitution is wrong. Well, it depends on how they interpret the Constitution. Well, right, yeah, what's right. Tags. right, right. Well, yeah. or the, but sometimes they simply just disagree with the Constitution and say, well, we're just not going to follow it. It's, it's too inconvenient. And that, that's unfortunate. So, Robert, let me ask you to talk a little bit about this, because this is going to be something that comes out and people are going to have to deal with, and that is... You know, laws can run afoul of the First Amendment, even if those laws sometimes burden religious practices. But if a law that burdens religion is not generally applicable, then it must satisfy strict scrutiny. Explain that. That's right. So the court made up a standard. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that it's a terrible idea. I'm not sure it's a great idea. But they said, well, how do we look at... Um, when a law impacts something in the Constitution, because uh, I'm trying to come up with a better example, and maybe I'll think of one later. But uh, the, the point is competing principles. <laughs> that, you know, Paul, that's exactly the way to say it. Very nicely done. I mean that. Um, so you have these competing principles, and so you say, okay, if you have these competing principles, how do you know that this provision of the Constitution prevails? So when it comes to the First Amendment, the courts have generally said, since that's such an entrenched, powerful, articulated right in the Constitution, that if <clears throat> I'm sorry, morning, you know, uh, if, the con- if the con- if the law impacts the First Amendment, we're going to look really, and this is the term, strictly at that law to make sure uh, that it uh, uh, passes our analysis. Well, what? Well, versus the other extreme uh, is rational basis. That is, if you pass a law that impacts some provision of the Constitution and you can come up with just a rational basis why it exists, we'll let it go. We will say it passes the constitutional test. It doesn't violate this other particular provision of the Constitution. So in, in even simpler terms, 
If you want to pass a law that impacts religion, you better have a really, really solid description of how it satisfies the Constitution. Maybe protecting another right. That's right. Right. And so so there's exactly right. You know, we still have the right to life and liberty and whatever else and pursuit of happiness. And so the thing is that so maybe a religion comes along that involves child sacrifice or something of that nature. And I think the the courts should um, recognize that the right to life um, is far is greater than their religious right to sacrifice children. And so the, the, the competing principle here is that the right to life trumps this bizarre religion that, that may involve child sacrifice. And we well, know that there, there are religions around the world that have have done that well, throughout the years. You're bringing up something sensible there, Paul, but, <laughs> but uh, let's not be naive here. There's a group of people that wants to infringe on our rights. They want to infringe on our beliefs and the ability for us to teach what the Bible says in the pulpit. Now, there just happens we had a, a president that put enough people on the Supreme Court that this went the way that it should have. But don't think for a minute this was a five-to-four vote, that if Donald Trump wasn't president and Hillary Clinton had put the last two people on the Supreme Court, the last three three instead of Donald Trump, this would have went the other way. Now, Now, elections has consequences, people, and the only reason this decision went the right way is because of Donald Trump and him being president of the United States. And, yes, I agree this is a dangerous thing. This is very similar to the sec- the Second Amendment, which our rights to own and bear arms shall not be infringed, but you do have to buy a license in most states. And in some states, you know, you Clearly. can only have certain types of guns. Clearly infringed. Uh, so they're infringing on it, but this is creeping in on us. They're turning up the water on the frog. And if we do not get a handle on this, then we could find us at the wrong end of the stick. Hey, Robert, talk about that a decision cannot, you know, if you have a a constitutional precedent that you're looking at, you cannot give somebody covered by the Constitution second-class status uh, in something. For instance, uh, a good example would be in a state where they tell churches they cannot meet because they have too many people in a room, but yet casinos can meet. Seems to me you've got a constitutional, mm-hmm. you know, problem there. Well, that's exactly right. And Paul did an absolutely wonderful job of describing that conflict a moment ago better than I did. And that is that whatever law you put into place, that we are examining relative to the Constitution can't disadvantage religion more than, as in your example, casinos, meaning then we know there's a constitutional violation because we know religion is protected. So it's got to be treated at worst equally than non-religious contexts. And then if it's treated the same. Something frivolous like gambling or whatever else. Exactly. Right. That's exactly right. So if it's if it's treated the same, then you say, okay, what's the other provision? And as Paul points out, you know, let's say it's life and liberty and these types of things also protected by the Constitution, uh, because all the words of the Constitution don't fit together perfectly neatly like a jigsaw puzzle. So we have to deal with those rough edges. 
But if you treat religion worse than you treat casinos, well, then we know there's a violation because the Constitution literally says the opposite. You've got to treat religion religion better. By the way, I saw what's a guy from a family guy, Seth. I forget. forget McFarlane. Uh, McFarland had a tweet out and he goes, well, if if the Supreme Court doesn't understand the difference uh, between people going into crowded churches and spending a lot of time there versus walking in and out of a of a liquor store, uh, then they're too stupid to do anything else or something to that effect. And my response, which I didn't write, but I'll share with you on, on the air to Seth McFarland is. Seth, when's the last time you've actually been in the church? <laughs> it's been a long time, let even, me tell you, for right. Seth. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, go ahead. I want you to hold, and then we're going to yes, take sir. a break here, and then we're going to come back, because I want to talk about a part of this was essential businesses, and I want to talk about that as well. Iverson Jackson is here. Artie Hopper is here. Paul Calvert is here. Robert Steinbach is here. I'm here. And it's the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back to the uh, last few moments of this hour. I wanted to let you know, did Robert agree to continue? Okay. Robert Steinbach is going to be with you guys by phone sure. uh, in the rest of the show today. I just got a call. I, I had learned over the weekend that my brother, John Paul, uh, who is much older than I am, all right, he's 82, uh, and uh, we just got and just turned 82 just a couple of months ago. I uh, got notification. Uh, I got notification that he had come down with COVID nineteen, and that he was in the hospital, and that uh, I was. I should know that he was in serious, serious condition. Uh, they had him on one hundred percent oxygen. They don't have him on a ventilator, uh, but uh, evidently, early this morning, uh, my brother uh, couldn't breathe very well. Yeah. And I've been told that he's been turned over to hospice care now. So uh, I just want everybody, if you would, today to to, to remember my family yes. uh, in your prayers. Going to be tough. Uh, I called him on Thanksgiving, and, of course, I didn't get any answer. I didn't know at that time that he was really sick. They've kind of kept it within John Paul's family, and now they're letting everybody know. They called my other brother. Uh, in Wyoming, and as you all know, Don has been having serious health problems. He's had a series of micro strokes and things of that nature. So uh, it's it's been a little touch and go with him over the last year. So um, as I was telling Iverson, I didn't get to finish with him. Look, my faith tells me every man dies, mm-hmm. and you know it's coming. Yeah, that's it. That's the it's still just terrible news, Dave, and, and we're all praying for your family uh, overall and, 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 and sharing in your, in your pain at this moment. Well, between my daughter dying and uh, now my brother, 2020 has not been a good year. Yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. And, and we, we empathize with your pain, but, and it's never 
uh, as you know, I lost my mother yeah. two years ago, uh, and and you and everyone have, had been so and have been so wonderful about that. But it's one thing uh, to to um, share a, a friend's a family member's pain; it's another thing to experience it uh, yourself. And uh, there are two different things. That's why we have the word, you know, empathy, which is right. it's that you that you share it, but it's not the same because it can't be the same. It's not supposed to be the same. Um, and it's just it's terrible. And as you aptly say, we, we know it's coming and it and it and whenever it comes, it's not uh, it, 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 it's a it's a surprise somewhat because we never know the timing. That's right. Uh, and B, it's always painful, even though you expect it. But, yeah, you know, by a, a poor analogy, when you go get the uh, the uh, inoculation from the doctor, uh, it stings, even though you know it's coming. And this is, you know, a, a million times worse. So it's just a, it's terrible news. And, and uh, as you know, your friends are supporting you. We will do whatever. Oh, yeah. you, and, and your listeners, too. I, I, I know it for a fact because I talk to them. They, they stop me. I, I'm not kidding you because I have a, an odd sounding voice and they hear me talking literally. Literally in the store, and they go, "Are you on the Dave Ellswick show?" You've got an odd sounding voice. I didn't. I never noticed you had an odd. Exactly. Yeah, because I have that heavy Southern accent. Yeah, that's that's right. Absolutely, absolutely. It's that that drawling Southern accent. So I didn't get people like you. I didn't get to ask you how was your Thanksgiving. My Thanksgiving was like any other Thursday because I didn't, as you know, for the last short while, I've been doing Thanksgiving at the Dave Ellswick house. I know. <laughs> uh, and I um, turned down your repeated generous offer uh, because of my COVID fears. Uh, and so my Thanksgiving was uh, the day after Wednesday and the day before uh, the uh, big sales on Friday. That's what my Thanksgiving was. Um, so it was okay, but nothing special because I didn't get to share with uh, friends and family in any significant way. But that's okay. That's okay. okay. So I'll do it. I, I wanted to let the listeners know that you're going to pick up uh, the hosting duties uh, here at the top of the hour. I, I'm going mm-hmm. to go home and, and talk to some members of my family by phone. Uh, and then I got to find out what's going to happen because from right. what I understand, funerals are kind of verboten right now. Yes. And so uh, that's not going to happen. I don't know if they're going to have a memorial service now uh, when my brother passes or right. if, if they're going to have it after this COVID-19 deal is lifted so much, much like a veil. Hopefully uh, we all get start getting stuck in the arm with this uh, vaccine and, and people will chill a little bit about it. But, uh, you know, my brother's got COVID-19, but I'm not going to say that's uh, the predominantly reason that he's died. Uh, He's been sick for a while with uh, his type 2 diabetes. There's been some real problems uh, for him getting things under control. So uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Robert will be back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I will return tomorrow.
This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. If you haven't uh, tuned in yet this morning, Dave had to leave because his brother is unfortunately and sadly gravely ill. Uh, we have uh, the power panel on with us, and we're continuing our conversation. <clears throat> and uh, Paul, why don't I uh, start with you? Uh, because we were talking about uh, how the Supreme Court seems to pick and choose when the Constitution takes priority over policy. The conservative viewpoint, as we discussed uh, in the last hour, is that legislators and executives should make policy decisions. However, the big exception to that, excuse me, is that they are restricted. They are cabined by the policy preferences permanently built into our system in the U.S. Constitution. That, too, is changeable, but only by constitutional amendment. Which is a pain in the neck. And yet we see the Supreme Court sort of picking and choosing amongst those. For example, uh, we see that the Second Amendment uh, has been historically the ugly stepchild (laughs) of the Supreme Court. Now, that has changed recently. The Supreme Court in Heller and the subsequent case recognized that the Second Amendment really is part of the Constitution. And so why don't we talk about that and bring in the whole group, of course, but let me start with you, if I may, uh, this notion that there seems to be a hierarchy within the Constitution, not in terms of how it's structured, but how it's applied by mm-hmm. courts. Uh, why don't you uh, sort of expand on that? So so what's part of what's what's been going on in this particular case that we were discussing, I guess it was there in New York, with uh, mm-hmm. Governor Cuomo, was that they treated – um, churches as kind of second-class citizens, if you will, in relation to uh, to other things that were considered essential businesses, and which is kind of a a new ideology or a new um, I don't know what do you call it a, a new classification, if you will, of of um, of organizations, and so people would say that that well, hospitals are those are essential um, workers or essential businesses that are needed um, that set precedent over some other things that such as maybe amusement parks that, that, that because of the, the, um, the urgency or the danger of the pandemic, therefore we can close down music amusement parks, but we can't close down hospitals. Now, now all of us, I think can see that that's, there's some rationale to mm-hmm. that, but to close down, um, churches but allow liquor stores to stay open because liquor stores are essential businesses but churches are not i think most of us can see that that's insane that's just moronic and so especially because um religious practice is specifically protected in in the first amendment of the u.s constitution whereas liquor is not and so the 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 notion that um, liquor stores can be classified as an essential business therefore they can stay open but churches are not essential businesses, therefore they can be shut down essentially by telling them, well, you can only have 10 people, which is stupid, basically. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, it's basically turning um, churches into second-class um, – or religion into a second-class right versus um, uh, um, alcoholism, which is um, – apparently it's a, it's a first-class right, if you will. R.D. Hopper has something. Well – 
I, I knew Iverson had something too. <laughs> okay. I was going to wait. Well, I guess. All right, I'll go first. I know yeah. Yeah. you've got something close to our hearts here. You know, I'd just like to say with these laws, we live in a republic, and states have freedom to run the things of the states, and the things that are not in the Constitution are left up to the states. Thus, the Tenth Amendment. But uh, as Robert said, there is guidelines that the states have to adhere to, and the guidelines are the Constitution, and the states uh, should be able to run themselves as long as they don't violate the Constitution the way it's supposed to run. Mm -hmm. But you can see this left-leaning states. You know, we've seen this in in other states to where casinos were were held higher above religious organizations, and we've seen in California to where they've said, you know, if too many groups... Uh, you know, congregate over Thanksgiving that they might get their electricity turned off. So it's scary to see some of the states, and especially Como, uh, trying to treat churches as second-class citizens. But it really needs to be a wake-up call for people. Right. The I Supreme think in that case Court it was a, a casinos in relation in, in 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 contrast to churches. You could have it, maybe hundreds of people at a casino, but but it, ten people at a church. Or it, exactly. So uh, so it went right this time, but there is Barely. an agenda. There is yes. an agenda oh, out there. It's five four vote. There's an agenda out there by the left to to put a put a kibosh on churches and, and to restrict churches and restrict religion, which is the reason that that everybody risked their life and got on a boat to come to this country. That's exactly right. And uh, the reason this country was founded for, and and well, they cited God as the as the authority for the Declaration of Independence. So uh, uh, churches are under attack, people, yeah. and we, we better realize that and that we better have the right people on Supreme Court, just like Robert has said in the past. You can't take your philosophy of the Constitution and, and what the people meant at the time they wrote it. It does affect the way you vote. It does affect it. So we better be careful who we have in place and who are putting these people on the Supreme Court. You know, you look at, uh, uh, Robert, this is Iverson. You look at uh, yes, what was essential to our founders. I think they, there's, there's a priority when we look at the amendments that there seemed to be at least some type of priority. And the very yeah, first thing one. was our uh, well, the right to assemble, and the, the right, right to, to assemble, freedom our, of speech and religion. Yeah, our religion. Actually, religion is this at the top of the um, top of the thing that for me, uh, my religion is the absolute most essential thing in my life above my family, above my children, above my wife, my mother, my father, my what my relationship with God is the absolute most essential thing. And as I was saying to uh, Paul during the break, uh, being a military person, a retired uh, military person, even in the military, your religious rights are observed and uh, and honored because you can join the military and be a conscientious objector. You don't have to uh, be in a war fighting capacity. You can be a support uh, capacity. So, you know, we've always recognized religion as being essential, essential. And so for them to come out and say it's not essential and that an al- a liquor store is essential you know, you have a real problem with that, uh, and our Constitution rightly so puts that as the First it, it Amendment. May, especially setting, setting the, the liquor store or the casinos yes. in a priority status. Yeah, in a priority and, status. And, because the, the fact is that we were talking about earlier is sometimes there's a there's an issue of competing principles. Mm-hmm. And so if just like the, the First Amendment is pretty clear that 
no law shall be made, made respecting the establishment of religion or the free exercise thereof, I think is the wording, or some, something similar to that. And, um, and so the, the fact is that, you know, that's, that, that is a principle, but the right to life is also a principle. And so if, the, if you come along, if some religion tries to, to establish their right to um, have child sacrifice or something mm-hmm. of that nature, well, the right of those children – to, to live, to be alive, their right Supersedes. to life. I think that trumps yes. the right to religion because there's a there's an obvious confl- conflict there, and I think the right to life would trump mm-hmm. that that. Um, well, you would think the right to life would have come into play on Roe versus Wade. You would think so. So I think the right to life has been trampled or some, on, or something to that effect. Uh, uh, so yes, the, but the, even the thing uh, with, already with, with Roe v. Wade, if nothing else, the Tenth Amendment should have come in, into play. With with Roe v. Wade to kick it back to the states because even with Roe v. Wade, um, you know we don't treat murder on the national level. I mean, if if somebody commits murder here in Little Rock, Arkansas, it's not a federal issue. It's a, it's a state issue, and so we we punish it accordingly. Sometimes we do a terrible job of that, but but the fact is that generally. Murder is not handled on the federal level. It's handled on the state level, and I think it should be. Right, but Paul, what, what you recognize, and, and let me be clear even before I say this, uh, because uh, I don't support the following view, but the claim, right, the claim by the Constitution, by the, excuse me, Constitution, <laughs> the claim by the leftists about the Constitution <clears throat> mm-hmm. is that, yes, normally these issues are handled by the states unless it interferes with the Constitution. Right. And we find interference. How do we find interference? We we literally they started off the, the theory has evolved, but they started off by saying, well, there there are these rights that we all know about, and then surrounding those rights are these penumbras and emanations, and then we link up these penumbras and emanations, and we find another right. Mm-hmm. So obviously, and, and, and that's not a, right. and that's not but, that's not that's, that's not a totally invalid concept and penumbrum. <laughs> Penumbra, if I can if I can say it correctly, is is a, a, a an example of that might be you know the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A penumbra off of that might be like marriage. Marriage is not specifically well, you bring mentioned. Up a, can I expand yeah. on that just yeah. briefly? Because yeah. uh, it's a very good point. Yes, whenever we talk about a right, let, let's take the right to free speech or the right to religion. The notion of penumbra, and this is an important point to bring out to the audience, I think, is, is those things that are on the periphery of it. So they say, well, you have a right to religion, but you don't have a right to go to church. You don't have a right, right to which, wear your religious symbols. Which is absurd. Wait a second. What, what, what's <laughs> left, right? right. And, and so the penumbra of those surrounding rights, what's really challenging about the theory, the philosophy, the notion, the make-believe that is this creation of a right to abortion built in the Constitution is they take the penumbra, say, as I described from the First Amendment, and they take a penumbra from something else, from another right and another right, and then they link them up to create another core right. That's where I think you get into science fiction. That is, yes, there are penumbras around each individual right, each of the individual rights. But when you link them up to create another core right, then I think you're actually just making stuff up. Well, and I think part of that is that sometimes you start off you start off with a with a with a uh, maybe sort of a faulty premise, and you add that. Add another faulty premise to it, and then you end up with a with a, another faulty faulty conclusion. And sometimes there's, I'm trying to think of an example that might be reasonable. Um, people find a way to justify just about anything they we, want to justify creatively. A lot of us even do that. Supreme Court. 
sure. justices. Sure, yes. and, I, and I think part of that is sometimes <laughs> exactly based right. based on faulty um, faulty premises to begin with. You know, like, so some people might might have concluded back in the 1800s that black people weren't fully human, mm-hmm. and so you know if that was your premise, well, of course you can go ahead and conclude that that um, that they don't have a full set of rights, or they can. Or you can count them as three-fifths of a human or whatever it is for, for numbering purposes. And so if that is your premise, you can come up with all kinds of s- stupid conclusions. And so part, <laughs> Hence part we of, have uh, a Dred Scott decision. That sort of thing. And yeah. so, so, and so what, what we end up with is, is faulty conclusions. I think we need to get to a break here pretty soon. And um, so Heidi's going to kind of break us off there. She's been talking to me here in the, uh, across the glass. And so um, this is a Dave Ellswick show. And if you want to call and talk to us, it's 501-823-0965. Um, call in, give us your opinion. But anyway, um, so Dave Ellswick was out. His brother is um, pretty ill. And so Dave Dave decided to take the rest of the day off and go deal with those issues. And so um, think about him throughout the day. And um, yeah. Keep me in your prayers. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're going to break, take a break now and um, we'll be back. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We've got the power panel here. Iverson, I want to turn back to you for a moment because I think part of the problem that we see with the leftists when they prioritize liquor stores and gambling dens, can I use that (laughs) old-fashioned term, uh, over churches, is they don't get it, right? The left uh, overlaps with the ultra-left, which is socialism and communism, in their uh, elimination of religion. And, oh, I can hear it already. People say, oh, you see, he's saying anybody on the left is a communist. No, but everybody who's a communist is somewhere on the left, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about how, uh, in your experience as a religious man, as a man of religion, a man of the cloth, that you recognize that there are people out there who look upon religion like it's talking about Martians landing in the desert. Do you remember like they the, just think it's make-believe. Go ahead. Remember the, the statement uh, uh, former President Barack Obama made that we had freedom of worship? Do y'all remember mm-hmm. that? Not, not freedom of religion. And, he, and he really kept emphasizing freedom of worship Meaning you have freedom to go into your synagogue, kind your church, compartmentalize. Yeah, compartmentalize and, 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 uh, and, and whatever you did inside your church walls, you had the freedom to do that. If you want to run around, fall out or to sit there quietly, you know, you had the freedom to do that. But that ended at, you know, 12 o'clock on Sunday or whatever time you get out. That freedom of worship is vastly different than freedom of religion. Religion is what you live out. In your every right. day which, life. Which might mean that you run your business a little which differently. It, it would or, mean, it right. does mean that you right. run your business differently and, and whatever else you do. You know, uh, RD is here, he's a business owner, you're a business mm-hmm. owner, I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. And our, our, my religion compels me to treat people right, give a person a fair price, right. and to, uh, you know, and to take the loss if need be. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, rather uh, than cheat someone else. Rather than cheat right. someone else or, or see someone else suffer a loss. That's my religion. My religion mm-hmm. is what causes me to do right wherever mm-hmm. I am at. I am and, at. and it may mean, it, it compels you, me. It may, may mean that you choose not to do business with some Absolutely. people or in some circumstances Absolutely. because it will, maybe you believe it, it, it promotes some sort of sin that you believe Absolutely. That you should not be promoted. And so, but if it was just, just worship, then it was like after we sing our two hymns on Sunday and, mm-hmm. you know, say our prayer and do our old sermon that we're done. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think America was founded based on on, on uh, our freedom to uh, freedom of religion, not mm-hmm. freedom of worship. Right. Worship is part of religion. It's not the whole of yeah, religion. What happens in a building is it should should be a very small part of it. Right. Right. So it it, it is it is who I am. It's not mm-hmm. a part of what it I am. It's the it foundation. Is it's the it cornerstone. The the it's core. the corner. Right. It's the cornerstone which everything else is measured off of and yes. built up on, up on top of. And you're talking as business owners, it should. We don't leave a religion at the door. That's we, right. We tr- try to use the golden rule and treat other people the way we'd want to be treated. But legislators and Supreme Court justices and everyone else, you know, they can still do their job and they do not need to leave the re- religion at the door. That's a exactly right. Prin- you can't take a person's principles out of any decision that they've made. I've heard a legislator say before, well, I leave my religion at the door when well, I go to the Capitol. Right, that's but absurd. How, that is absurd. I mean, that should be the foundation. We elect people with principles that nearer to our own to go and represent us, and we expect right. them to do it with those principles. You know, our, our well, found, I think the, oh, can, can I ahead, interject? Yep, I, sure, I yeah. think the, the, the really critical point here is and you see it biblically, and frankly, I don't remember if it's Old Testament or New, but this notion that you give to Rome what Rome deserves and you give to God what God demands. New Testament. And and the notion behind that is quite simple. You never violate your religious principles. Exactly. But that doesn't mean that there are non-religious principles that can't be imposed upon a society Mm -hmm. by government. Mm -hmm. And so... That's what the liberals don't seem to understand when they attacked Amy uh, Coney Barrett. And they said, well, but you have strong religious beliefs. Yeah, I'm not putting aside my religious beliefs. I'm observing my religious beliefs by recognizing that non-religious beliefs, non-religious issues, uh, freedom of speech, that's not a religious issue. There are laws regarding that, and I need to enforce that. And... Go ahead. But so, so we've got about 45 seconds here. So yeah. I, I think that maybe part of what you were tar- starting to get at or at the early part of the segment was that, you know, the, the left, I think, is kind of relegating religion down almost like it's a recreational thing that, that we can dispense with at any time because it's not really very important. And so I think that's kind of where the left has been looking at it. It's, it's about as important as a soccer game or a Robert or, was uh, saying pro- pro- probably not as valuable as football because football is about like a, about, about like more important. It's an essential thing here in here in the South anyway. But and so so religion is kind of a, a second class behavior. And we've got about ten seconds now, or seven or eight. And so we're going to take a break and listen to the news. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We have the power panel with us. Uh, guys, I want to um, sort of transition our discussion uh, to a story in the New York Times. Yes, I still read it, mm-hmm. but it's like reading a, a tabloid, needless to say. B- both of, both uh, of the readers, and you're one of them. Huh? <laughs> indeed. indeed. Um, uh, but there's an interesting story that picks up very much on what we've been talking about when it comes to interpreting the Constitution and the makeup of the Supreme Court. So let me just read a little bit from this story, and then I'll turn it over to you all uh, for your commentary. Don't worry, I will have some as well. So the title uh, is Justice Barrett's Vote Could Tilt the Supreme Court on Gun Rights. And so when we scroll down, it says that On Wednesday, uh, uh, Barrett's vote on the court's approach to restrictions on attendance at religious services uh, flipped 
what was the previous uh, outlook by the court when it was more leftist. We know that. We talked about that. So uh, it goes on to say that the new um, majority on the Supreme Court is now going to likely be looking at a Second Amendment case. And it says a Second Amendment case decided last week uh, by the federal appeals court, that's the middle court in Philadelphia, is a promising candidate for Supreme Court review, not least because it presents an issue on which Justice Barrett has already taken a stand. Uh, In that case, uh, and now I'll summarize, there was a felon uh, there was who was uh, someone was convicted of a felony and they usually take away your Second Amendment rights uh, when that happens. Mm-hmm. As you know, you, if you're a convicted felon in most states, you don't get to vote either. So right. it's perfectly <clears throat> reasonable to see that certain rights are forfeited when you become a convicted felon. But Barrett went on to say in her dissenting opinion that the Constitution does not support taking away Second Amendment rights from non-violent, let me emphasize, non-violent felons, meaning there's got to be some connection to the elimination of your right, whatever constitutional right it is, and your conviction. We just don't randomly say you don't have a First Amendment right after you get convicted of a felon. You don't have a Fifth Amendment right in the future if you get convicted of a felony. So there needs to be some connection, she said. And I, I certainly find that argument appealing, meaning it, may, it, it makes in, intuitive sense to me. I haven't read all the briefs and I don't know fully the issues, but it seems to me that we're not we shouldn't be randomly picking constitutional rights to eliminate from convicted felons if there's no connection to the underlying conviction. I, I think there's so some, I think there's some rationale there. Go go ahead though. No, that was my thought. So go uh, ahead, so, Paul, so and I, then let's open it up. So I, I think there's some rationale there, but uh, uh, I guess I would I would prefer they go a little different route with that is that you know if someone is so um dangerous to society or public in general that we really can't trust them to keep and bear arms anymore why are they why are we turning them loose I mean if someone has proven themselves to be so wicked and dangerous that we can't trust them with fundamental human rights mm-hmm. which I believe the right to keep and bear arms is a fundamental human right if 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 you're a free individual you should have every right to arm yourself without infringement yeah no I mean, if, and, and and if so so I think that's one of those things that my question is why are we turning these people loose if they're dangerous well i i think thus the court case that that robert is referring to that the person in this case has been as guilty of tax evasion right and it, put, and it puts them in the felon colony right. felony colony column column right. because of tax evasion mm-hmm. and just because you got charged on tax evasion doesn't mean that you're a violent person right that, that right. doesn't deserve the second right. amendment right so right. there so needs I, to be a little bit of definition on here yes i saw in an article uh, yesterday um in north little rock and it said that uh, someone was charged with a felony for spitting uh, on a police officer. Mm-hmm. Is that a felony? It, it, lots so of, lots that, of silly, frivolous things well, are yeah. felony. So it, it may be stupid. Yeah, and, and so what I'm saying, <laughs> so now you can't keep and bear arms because you spit on a cop right. or anyone. You know, right. you shouldn't spit on anyone. We get that. Right, right, but right. I'm but saying something like that, that doesn't make that, a person a pretty, insanely dangerous. Right. And many of us would think, well, that's a pretty 
pretty stinky. You say, why can't you have an arm? Oh, because I spit on on the police, right? right you know, right, at, at, right. In, a, so, in a stupid moment. Like, like a friend of mine up in Missouri has mentioned before that I think in Missouri it's a felony to send someone an unsolicited um, advertisement email. So, so now you like can't with, without, keep in without, their arms without putting some a, a special right. wording at the top of the heading or something. Of that I think what. Robert, what you're referring to here, and and I looked at that article real quick, and the first thing that I liked in that article, they acknowledged that California and Nevada was successful on the Supreme Court uh, to to keep their restrictions for the religious uh, organizations, and now that we've got uh, Barrett on the court, that it changed the dynamics of the court, and now New York, the restrictions fail. So they're referring that there's been a change in dynamics. And with this change in dynamics, you know, the Second Amendment may be taken more seriously, and some of these restrictions of people that are nonviolent uh, may, may get the restrictions removed, where in the past the restrictions would have stayed. Well, so what's this, ambiguous? Well, let, let me Is build that on that correct? for just a moment, guys. Yeah. Art, because R.D. brings out such an important point, and that is historically the courts and elected officials, for the most part, minimize the second amendment Mm -hmm. and i know plenty of liberals because as you all know i work in academia and it's virtually entirely liberal by the way that must all be by accident right you know they talk about well we've got to hire more of this group because of the way they look or more of that group because of the way they look but they don't talk about hiring people who think differently and yet it's overwhelmingly it's 99 percent plus leftist in any event, these people tell me, well, I don't like the Second Amendment. I don't think there should be a right to bear arms. And then the honest ones say, however, I recognize it's in the Constitution. Right. But historically, elected officials and judges didn't do so. Well, you know, that's not really important, even though it's the Second Amendment. It's pretty high up there on the list. Pretty high. It? Yeah. Right. So, so, yeah. So, so, Iverson, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this right now, looking at the Constitution. It says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And I'm trying to figure out, Robert, what is ambiguous about that? What, what's what's I mean, I, I don't see all these other entrapments that uh, have been attached to uh, the Second Amendment in here. So so can you some can you you help a brother to, out? As you say? <laughs> well, I don't see it there. You, you shouldn't have to buy your Second Amendment. Your Second Amendment rights by buying a do you, license. Does, does, a, does a felon need any less protection? If you have served your time, you know, uh, you as we say, you've paid your debt to society. To continue to uh, punish someone is to say that they have not paid their debt to society. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks to me, I, I'm not a lawyer. You know, I've never uh, been to law school. But I, I, it, it does seem reasonable as a citizen, that they should be I allowed to read. protect themselves. Right, yeah. right. I, you well, you can't protect be, yourself, guys, can't let protect me build your family. On, uh, an important point that Iverson brings out here, and that is, remember this movement that's taking the place, taking place across the country now to restore voting rights to convicted felons. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a strong opinion on that. I got to tell you, I think that there is a good arguments in favor and good arguments against. And I actually think that a policy that kind of is more discriminating, I mean that in the positive sense, needless to say, than what we have now might make sense. But what you don't see 
And this is the hypocrisy of the left. You see, I'm recognizing that there's something to this argument about when people get out of jail and they're fully rehabilitated. Mm -hmm. Maybe not all are, but at least Mm -hmm. some are that voting should be one of the rights that we should consider them continuing to have or restoring to them Mm -hmm. as they get out of jail. Uh, But why don't you hear even one person on the left say what I've just said about Second Amendment rights? You will not hear it. So, so, so Robert, I think and this is let me kind of kind of think out loud here for a few minutes. And I know that's kind of dangerous for me, but the the, the idea that um, we're establishing some of these people after they've committed serious crimes or maybe not so serious crimes, we're establishing them as second class citizens. By saying, well, you can't vote, you can't keep and bear arms, you can't do this, that, or the other. And I, I understand that. because the, so, And we can maybe classify that as this is just sort of an extension of their prison term. But that's now, right. That's right. But now they're, they're outside of the prison walls, but they're still heavily restricted. And so exactly. It, Further punishment slash restriction on an ongoing basis. So I think that's an important point to bring out here, because as we say, well, they're fully rehabilitated. Not everybody. No. And we have laws that reflect that. So right. in and of itself, to say that someone has limited rights outside of prison is not a novel or bad concept. It's not, yeah, it's not totally inappropriate. Just like just like children, right. you know, a, a, a four year old can't go out. And and live free. It just they just can't. If I see a four year old walking down the, the down my my road at my house, you know, guess what? There's a decent chance I'm going to go and catch, the, catch yeah. that yep. kid and figure out who he belongs to. And so the right. thing is that that and I think that's also true of of adults. Sometimes sometimes you have adults with mental challenges, and so those people can have their rights, if you will, taken away from them. For their own protection or the protection of society, because they're not capable of of, of carrying on carrying on life safely um, on their own, and so I think that that principle can apply both to criminals and to those who are mentally ill, and just children in general. Because the fact is that a four year old is not generally capable of um, sustaining themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, reasonably outside of their parents and so the parents will automatically have jurisdiction and so this this notion of government maintaining jurisdiction over some people after they have committed crimes is it's probably not too far-fetched and well um, well the the scales have been balanced against the second amendment against the second amendment is what both this article refers to and religious rights have been uh balanced against the first amendment but this article is saying that with the barrett on the court there seems to be a change in balance on the supreme court and some of these arguments that we're talking about about people's freedom after they get out are is going to go to the supreme court and the left is worried about it mm-hmm. because the balance is not going is is already shifted in religious freedom. But if we're not careful and we get too many other people on the Supreme Court, the balance can swing back the other way again. Right. So, so we, we don't we don't uh, want, we don't want the the court to to be radical in the sense of just making up new rights. And and so we, we've got about maybe a minute here, Robert. Can you kind of maybe. Kind of lost my train of thought here. Um, the, <laughs> the, the, um, the, the okay here the, the idea that, that is this really a, truly a Second Amendment issue or is it a um, an issue kind of more along the lines of 
what are the rights of people as as they've been convicted and they're and they're being returned to society? Is that is that more of a that kind of issue versus a, a Second Amendment issue that we're dealing with here? Well, I think that's a great question. I really do. I think it's the intersection of those questions. That is, how <clears throat> excuse me, how does the Second Amendment and all of the amendments, all of the Constitution, relate to how we treat individuals when we put them in prison and after they get out of prison? Meaning, there's no question that if you're convicted, say, of a felony, because that's the more severe, right, than right. misdemeanor, if you're convicted of a felony, you lose rights. We all recognize that. You, I can't take Paul Cavert and throw him in jail for no reason. Everybody would say that's unconstitutional. You have a right to freedom. You have a right to, right. to, to all of these things inherently built into the Constitution, but we affirmatively take those things away. So the notion that one can lose a Second Amendment right is no uh, different than any other right, and certainly right. you can lose your rights. Right. You can lose your life, Question. for that matter, if you, if you violate indeed. someone else's rights. So, so we've got to go to, go to break here. You listen to, yes, to 101.1 FM, The Answer. Um, 501-823-0965. Call in and talk to us. Again, 101.1 FM, The Answer. We'll be back. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We've got the power panel here. Travis is on the line for a comment on the Second Amendment. Travis, welcome to, show, to the show. What do you have to say? A bunch of misdemeanors stacked together into one felony. Hmm. Interesting. And Interesting. When I asked about will I ever get my gun rights back, the prosecuting attorney said you'll never see your gun rights back. So so was this like a plea deal, something that you that you agreed yes. to? I had to because it's either that or go to prison. So so that basically so basically it was over hot checks. Oh wow. So so so, so basically you you they they convinced you that it wasn't worthwhile to go to a trial. And so you took right. the plea deal over over going to a trial. Exactly. Right. This is this is nonviolent. This is nonviolent. Non-violent. So it, it was a it was a form of theft, is what it was. Right. To, to write hot yeah. checks, and, and and the fact is that that's a human rights violation. Um, but but it is. I, I think all of us would agree that's that's different from from pointing a gun at somebody. And, exactly. and stealing from them. But the, at the end yeah. of the day, though, it's... Let me it's, just interrupt one second, Paul. Um, Travis, thanks for calling in. Paul, yes. let's continue this conversation right. um, uh, when we let Travis go. Um, Paul, uh, expand on what you're saying, because this really is the point that uh, Amy Coney Barrett was bringing out uh, regarding when one can lose the Second Amendment rights. Go ahead. Right. And so, so the deal is that I, I think probably the issue here is it's kind of that let the penalty fit the crime and the the, the discussion is whether or not a, a a person who has violated the rights of another should should be allowed to to have tools of defense if you will which is what the right to keep and bear arms is about is it's 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 about the ability to have tools that make it um easier for, for a person to defend themselves yeah, against the, the question others. is right it's the it's the relationship between the punishment and the crime rg what are your thoughts on this well in some the supreme court is going to have to decide this case 
and uh, there there is a case that's our that's already going to the Supreme Court. Apparently, that someone was convicted of tax evasion, and uh, they're and they're suing for their Second Amendment right. So, I, I believe a nonviolent crime should be separated out from a violent crime, and I believe if the Supreme Court does justice on this, in my own opinion, that if you committed a crime with a gun, that after you come out, then you maybe should have a, a five-year probation area if it's uh, gun-related. But if you come out of the the court, the uh, jail and you've served your time and done what you sh- were told to do for society, served your time per se, then uh, and it was a non-violent crime, I believe the Supreme Court should give them their Second Amendment rights back again. So well, and uh, I think there's I, kind of... I, I hope that's the way it goes, but uh, it is promising to see that the uh, New York Times is acknowledging this may go different than it has in the past. Yeah. 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 Iverson, what do you have to say about this? You know, I I, I was just thinking when someone commits a a sex crime and uh, wherever they move to, you know, there are flyers put out, people go around and they put the pictures up, you know, mm-hmm. that this is, you, you have a sex a, offender, uh, and... a sex offender uh, in your neighborhood. And I think they have to do that for like five years. I think there's a moratorium. Some of them might do it for the rest of their life. For the rest of their life. But, you know, at, at some right. point, that that's good that you know that this type of person, uh, you know, is in your midst. That doesn't mean they haven't been redeemed, right. you know, and haven't changed. But that, that tendency may still be there. Well, and, and but I think if, if that can come to an end, and certainly uh, the your, your, your rights right. uh, to keeping bare arms should be restored and so uh, at some point what's interesting about that is so one of the arguments for taking away the right to keep and bear arms or imposing infringements is that well there's criminals out there we need to be able to, to id people before they buy guns or we need to do a background check on them before they buy guns and so that that idea is well there's dangerous people out here we need to to search all of you the dangerous <laughs> ones aren't they're gonna they're gonna I get think we're guns. going to break yeah, we're, we're going to break so we're gonna be back here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. and I'm Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We've got the power panel here and we've got a special guest, uh, R.D.'s son. R.D., why don't you introduce your son and we're going to talk about life in college in America today. R.D., go ahead. Yeah, my son is with us here this morning, Alex Hopper. And uh, 
Alex goes to school in uh, in Memphis, and uh, he's here to uh, to talk a little bit about you know what's going on in our colleges today. The, the our children are our future, and uh, we need to be thinking about uh, what's being taught to our children and make sure we're involved in that process. I believe. One hundred percent. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for Tell having us me. about your general experiences in college. And, of course, here on the Dave Ellswick Show, uh, one of the things we've talked about a lot, in part because I work in the university setting, is how there is an overwhelming leftist bias within academia. Now, I don't mean to uh, sort of focus your interpretation or your impression of school uh, in that that's my view. But I want your view. You're on the ground as a student versus a faculty member. Do you see a bias uh, when it comes to the professors uh, at your university? There are some exceptions to this rule. So tell us your honest view of what life is like in college today in America when it comes to whether there's a political bias being presented. Absolutely. I I think definitely in a college, uh, whenever I've been there at least, uh, whenever I'm speaking with professors, they always share the views of uh, that America isn't as good as it's made out to be or that uh, certain social systems work better. Like a huge issue is Marxism in our colleges today where we have communist clubs, we have socialist clubs that are trying to convince people that those sorts of things work over capitalism and the professors there really reflect the views of that and that they try to say that it's evil in all these different ways, that it violates human rights, where people uh, is the root of all poverty, while also ignoring all human history where communism has never worked in any country or modern history where we're seeing Venezuela fall apart piece by piece, where I think I saw that their uh, currency was actually worth less than some online gaming uh, <laughs> services and so so do they ever um qualify their statements by pointing out the fact that they themselves are employed by socialist systems like in the the universities themselves or government subsidized and so so it's 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 logical on many in many many ways for college professors to to love socialism and promote it because their bottom line literally depends on it in many cases between either their their payment or because of the fact that government regulations require people to have a degree And what I found really interesting is that these colleges work like capitalism. Uh, Like here recently with the COVID, uh, a lot of kids have not been able to afford classes. A lot of kids have not been able to afford dormitories Mm -hmm. and all these other kinds of stuff. But the schools are doing next to nothing to help. Uh, Like with this last semester, they were telling us they wait till the last second after the the time to sign up or cancel your dorms expired to say whether or not they were having in-person classes. Mm-hmm. And whenever we started, uh, they said, okay, we'll go into person in October. And then when I, over October rolled around, we'll say, they said November. And whenever November rolled around, they just said, oh, we aren't doing it. Never and now they're not saying whether they're going to next semester or the semester after that. So we're they, all left. They still want your, your They want, still want your money. They yeah, still they're, want your money. Uh, I, at the school I'm going to, I'm not going to name names just in case, but uh, to cancel your dorm, 
uh, mid-contract, mid-year, even with all the COVID stuff, is $1,500 to cancel your dorm. It's a capitalist system. Of course, they got you in that contract. You're bound to it. But there's none of this socialist stuff. There's none of this, like... uh, (laughs) Sort of communism where everyone has to pay for you to get out. Be forgiven, even even though you you paid for for school with the dorms and everything, with the ex- expectation that you would have in person classes, right. and you did not get it. Absolutely, and, and, and therefore you you're perhaps not getting as good of a um, a service for what you're paying. For. Absolutely, and they're not creating any way out for the kids who. Mm-hmm. Just say, well, I, I. The only reason I'm staying in this dorm is to get in-person classes, right. and I can't afford to pay the dorm if I'm not. Because, mm-hmm. well, I, the thing is, Alex, like, what about what? What about your d- discussions with professors, be it in economics or politics? What views, if any, have they expressed, and have they reacted to any conservative views that you may have shared with them? Well, uh, I do remember being in a, – a, a huge part of that is that the prerequisite classes you were required to have, such as sociology was a class I had to take. Mm-hmm. I failed mm-hmm. it, and I had to retake it in the summer because instead of using common sense, they want you to use their sense. Wow. But mm-hmm. I remember speaking with my sociology teacher about uh, economics around the world and – I remember we were talking about countries in Asia who uh, were recovering from communism. And I was pointing out how like it was a good thing that they're finally getting out of communism. You can see these people who are on these boats selling capitalist goods coming from America like Ritz, Oreos, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. selling them off boats. But uh, the argument was made that that's a bad thing seeing that our fatty foods are making over there corrupting their country that capitalism is going to make them obese and overweight and that uh it's just not helping anyone it's creating poverty because there's people who can't afford all that so were were, were your grades your grade in that class was it linked to your 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 ideology uh, uh, versus say- you're not answering the question the way the professor wanted you to answer it in the way that they they believe but i was smart enough because college is expensive yeah where i would i would state my views but in such a way as they would seem ambiguous (laughs) where if (laughs) if you read it as a conservative you would see like oh yeah that's what he's getting at but if you just read it as someone who was marxist or communist it would just seem like you just were stating the facts and weren't trying to state much opinion because I knew if I failed that class and I did anyway, <laughs> it, it's expensive. It's yeah, right. And so that's, that's and that's part of the problem with government control is that government comes along and says, oh, by the way, you have to get this degree in order to work in this particular field. And if you don't pass all these stupid prerequisites we won't let you have the degree so you can work in the field and it's it's absolutely stupid because there is a lot of brainwashing going on oh yeah like i want to get a degree in psychology Mm -hmm. i am required to do sociology i'm required to do all these forms of history uh religious studies all this Mm -hmm. it's just brainwashing i'll tell you what made me the angriest is i had to take an arts class and the only one that was open whenever i went to sign up was dance (laughs) <laughs> I was not right. happy about that. Right. <laughs> right. I had to take dance right. because the school wants me to be enlightened. Right. But at the end of the day, though, we've got government who can't build a toilet. Right. And they're telling you what a you should cap. do to become a sociologist. <laughs> right. Or a psychologist, sorry. Psycho- psychologist. No, <laughs> and so the thing is, we, we've got government that, that, that can't tie their shoes hardly. 
and they're going to tell you what you need to be qualified as, as opposed to the free market. The marketplace telling us, like, the government doesn't tell you what brand of car you want, do they? You, you do that based upon market forces. You, you realize that, you know, a Honda has different qualities than a Ferrari, Right. And 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 they're they're very they're vastly different cars even though they might be they they all they both have wheels, they both have engines and they both have um exhaust coming out of their tailpipes, but they're vastly different cars for vastly different purposes yeah. and you you may choose one over the other. And it's fu- I was just going to say it's funny you bring that up cuz California has introduced a bill recently where they're going to ban the sale of uh gas running cars by a certain year. Right. So it, right. that's something we're facing. There was an issue that came up here, Robert, with what he was talking about of not making the grades on a test if he didn't go along with the views of the professor. Mm-hmm. This is happening yeah. in K through 12 in in the state of Arkansas. These tests that they're having to take, uh, uh, the teachers are having to teach to the test. It's against federal law for the national uh society of any of them to come in and lord over the states what states teach but they do have federal testing and these tests are determining what money the school gets Mm -hmm. so they are controlling what is in our classrooms by the tests that the kids have to pass so i'm hoping that this covid and kids doing more work at home will enlighten parents to what their kids are being taught hopefully that's pretty cool. We 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 can only hope because my experience, uh, even when I was in college, is that professors uh, were not sympathetic to discussions of conservative ideology. They were overwhelmingly leftist, and yet history has proven time and time again that communism fails. And there's a well, capitalism <clears throat> creates poverty, and in fact, the richest countries in the world have always been capitalist and even the poorest people in those countries do better than poor and not so poor in communist countries and these liberals just like the liberals did during the communist revolutions in various countries uh in the in the 50s and of course the 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 big one in, in russia Uh, In 1917, all of these academic liberals think their lives are going to be better as well as the lives of everybody else under communism. And, of course, what did the communists do in the Soviet Union? They threw the academics in jail because you don't want people thinking because thinking leads to different ideology. And people's lives were awful under the communist systems in the Soviet Union and throughout the world. So So history has proven communism as a dead philosophy and yet time and time again uh, much like we just heard these philosophies are propagated and applauded within academia and, Rob- and, and has no connection to reality robert i've got a little question here we got about a minute and a half here till we take yep. a break uh, I've got, so how often do you see or think it happens that professors are actually pretty good at hiding their ideology while actually still promoting it. And so what I mean by that is that, so I I can teach an ideology without ever actually identifying the ideology. I might promote socialism or communism or something of that effect and never actually use the terminology. And yet by the time that I'm done with the person, whoever it is, I may have actually turned them into a socialist or a communist and they actually reject the terminology though even though they're full, full-blown full socialists. How, how much do you think that goes on? 
Well, I think it's a real issue, right? And what you're talking about is sort of the infiltration of uh, leftist ideology in allegedly uniform uh, or non-political uh, speech. I was talking to a colleague of mine about some professor who teaches con law, and I said, well, how much ideology infuses what he teaches? And my colleague said, well, he really just teaches the doctrine. I said, yes, but the doctrine is overwhelmingly infused with leftist ideology. And his response was, well, that's a good point. Meaning it's even hard for those looking for it to see it. And we need to challenge the underlying ideology in what we teach or at least present it overtly so that it is not assumed to be the case. And we see that a lot happening throughout academia, and it's a real challenge. And I think the leftists don't see it because they're surrounded by only that. Conservatives see it because – It's it's hard. How how does does a fish know it's wet? And so that's that's the thing is you you get somebody immersed in it. And so we're going to take a break now. This is 101.1 FM. Dave Ellswick is out. Um, he had a had a, um, a family situation. His brother's real sick, and so he decided to take the rest of the day off. And so we're here with just the um, power panel holding up the fort. And um, call us at five zero one eight two three zero nine six five and talk to us. Um, and we're going to take a break right now. And this is the Dave Ellswick Show, and we are back here in the six o'clock hour. We've got the power panel, uh, and with us as a special guest is R.D.'s son. And R.D.'s son was telling us about life in academia as a student today. And during the break, he was talking about how he felt some of the leftist ideology infiltrating academia and what he's being taught. So, uh, Alex, why don't you pick up on that and talk about uh, those aspects of education, of academia, of instruction that you feel uh, are presenting a political philosophy, even though they claim not to be. Absolutely. Um, Well, one of those is that a lot of it comes from them trying to claim everything is human rights. Uh, Like uh, it mostly comes from they claim you have the human right not to be offended. Uh, (laughs) And that's that's their entire plan for tearing down the family organization through radical progressivism. I remember taking classes where these – theories about gender about family about uh how you're supposed to raise children everything uh was constantly brought up and uh i was forced to answer on quizzes saying like oh yes uh one it's all this controversial stuff i can't sure not sure if we can get into on the radio but it's it's all radical progressivism about not be, having the right not to be offended. If someone identifies as something and you call them something else, it's violent. If you disagree with someone on the matter of social issues, it's just complete corruption. <laughs> it, go ahead. So, 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 so part of that. So I, I, we can we can we can talk about some stuff. It doesn't it doesn't have to get real graphic. But yeah. but the fact is that that I think that's part of the other issues is that they're the the agenda of destroying the family structure right the 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 notion of headship in marriage perhaps or the or the, even the 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 concept of um parental rights over children and so some might say well spanking is wrong or they, or they might say that well you shouldn't be able to force your child to go to church or you shouldn't be able to do this that or the other with your children or make decisions for them 
and um, which that's that's a serious problem because I think that that the the family structure is incredibly important and and the breakdown of that is 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 very destructive to society in general and just human rights. Are we able to get? Am I able to talk about like? Homosexuality. Sure. Like I said, I don't know the don't, rules of radio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, don't, don't use foul language. And no, just, I'm not, yeah. I won't use foul language, but uh, they're teaching a lot about homosexuality, transgenderism, all that, trying to break down the family, sure. where they're saying anything can be a family. That's one of their favorite things is it can be two mothers who identify as male, or and they love to tote about these dysfunctional families where there's four different parents, and it's uh, bigamy, polygamy, all that kind of stuff, and how they're saying that they don't have to be married for it to be a family, mm-hmm. social structures, and all that kind of stuff, right. but and that you should raise your children free, and if your daughter says that she likes monster trucks, she should get a sex change because your child was right. born which, in the wrong which, skin. Which is, which is mind-numbingly insane in many respects. Right. So, so, so what you have is you've got people... That maybe should be wearing their jackets backwards. In other words, they need a straight jacket. They need a, they need a jacket with the buckles on the back. And, but in the reality, what's what's happening is they've been hired as college professors to teach people how to think, teach young people, yeah. basically children, how to think, which is nonsense. And so we, we've got people telling other young people that you know what, it's okay for you to to to, um, to change your. Physical, your your biological is, identity, which is this, nuts. This is one of the reasons I believe that you get into the left wanting to put the kibosh when they get a chance on COVID nineteen of a re- religious gatherings. Yeah, because they are trying to brainwash children into thinking uh, that they can redefine on what a family is. They can redefine right. what. Uh, uh, and they've done a good job what, of that so far. What a, the difference, the redefining what the difference between a boy and a girl is. Right, which is not so, so they're trying to change right. all these definitions. Right. They don't want anybody to refer to God's word or any principles. And uh, so this is going on in our colleges, uh, Robert. And uh, it's, how do we get involved with, with presenting things balanced in colleges in our schools? How do we do that, Robert? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the answer is, as universities claim to be institutions that teach people to think, they've got to be environments that are open to diversity of thought. We hear so much talk these days, overwhelming talk about diversity. And that diversity to which they refer is entirely aesthetic. Right. It's Mm -hmm. uh, the color of your skin. It's the country from which uh, your ancestors came. These are don't uh, relate to your thought uh, in a direct way. Now, there may be uh, more people that look one way that happen to be one political philosophy and more people that look another way that happen to be another political philosophy because the odds of an equal distribution are um, nonsensical. But it's, it's indirect. Why don't we talk about ensuring that people get perspectives uh, that are diverse? And, of course, then you get the response, well, we're not going to allow Nazis to come teach, are we? Who? This is, of course, the attempt to make the absurd the real, which is nobody said anything about Nazis. But remember, the left 
has been conser- calling conservatives racists and Nazis right. and thing is, for you, years. You might and want, that's the way they dispose of you all You might of want to study what the Nazis believe. And we've got uh, 15 seconds here. And the mm. thing is that, that diversity of thought or, or diversity of, of who we socialize with is valuable. I mean, I found it very educational to discuss things with people who disagree with me. It's, it's awfully educational. And we are going to a break right now. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. We are back during the 6 o'clock hour. Dave is off. We've got the power panel, and we've got R.D.'s son. And we're going to pick up our ongoing conversation about indoctrination in higher education. And before I turn it back to um, uh, R.D.'s son to talk Alex. about textbooks, I would like to mention one thing, which is, I've told the audience, uh, Dave's audience, uh, about my father, who uh, was born in Poland uh, and spent World War II uh, in the Soviet Union. And he experienced uh, the indoctrination that took place there. And he said it was overwhelming. It was pervasive. It was everywhere. And the way they did it is that you were instructed from morning to night uh, in the ideology of communism. And he said it took place in the schools, it took place in the textbooks, it took place in the news. There was no competing ideology. This was the way you are supposed to think. This is the way you're supposed to act. And this is the belief you're supposed to have. There was no religion. The religion was the state and the state was communism. And so uh, R.D.'s son during the break was talking about the textbooks and how they reinforce the lefty, leftist ideology in academia. And it's exactly from the textbook, no pun intended, of the communists. So let's pick up on that uh, and uh, get your thoughts on that. Well, it, as we were talking about during the break, is it's it's coming from the textbooks as well. Uh, it's really hard to even pinpoint where it all begins. You know it's all within the college, but it's the students are petitioning the school to have these classes, then the schools hire the professors to teach this stuff and the professors kind of the get cycle these, type, type yeah, of thing. Right. Absolutely. And the so, professors get these textbooks full of this stuff and the kids read the textbooks and then they petition for more classes about this stuff. Uh, and my sociology textbook was filled front to back with the teardowns of capitalism, the teardowns of the traditional family, the teardowns of Christianity, saying how it's all bigotry. It's all. Well, they might they might point to biblical passages about slavery and and, and things like that to, out, of to, out of context, perhaps, or, or and and or just to 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 perhaps try to destroy people's religious beliefs. And there are many many times they're very successful about that. And part of the, I think part of the problem. One of the reasons why the the universities and colleges are so successful is, with that is that many churches and many fathers are are derelict in their in their responsibilities to teach children their families to um, uh, about biblical principles. Many times, some of these principles they're kind of they maybe kind of messy because of our cultural norms. They they've become labeled as toxic masculinity to Perhaps. teach your. <laughs> to teach to teach the roles bring, that are in the Bible to your children. Indeed, is, let's bring Iverson in on this because Iverson, uh, as a person of the cloth, a man of the cloth, it's his fault. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's your fault, right? But no, let's. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? You know, when you look at what made America successful, it was our Judeo-Christian. Uh, foundation, the values uh, of family. These are the things that make us that have made us successful and have kept us successful all through, you know, our brief uh, brief history, 244 
years, I think. So so when you start chipping away at those and you get to well, let me go back to let me go back to 1647 when we start having some of the first uh, public schools. And the reason uh, public schools began is so that, number one, everybody in the community could read the Bible. Number two, so everybody in the community could read the community rules and follow them. So, And, and those rules were set out again by the Bible. So when, as you get, a, the further we move away from the Bible, and I think it, not a thing, but I know this is why uh, the First Amendment is on such a great attack because the left understands the left, a godless uh, ideology, communism, a godless ideology, understands that if we don't get rid of the First Amendment, First and Second Amendment, they can never uh, take over in this country. And and it is incumbent upon churches, pastors to teach the Bible and not because that has a lot of this um, gray matter has moved into the church. And, uh, you know, the absolutes are going out and, and, you know, well, you know, the cycle babble is moving in. So, you know, we have to take a look at that also and what, uh, you know, what our young people are experiencing is a deluge of this communism 24 seven. Well, and it's and it's a it's a fundamental ideology that, that, in, that encompasses a lot of different aspects of life, yep. be yep. it justice or family. Or and and, and economics you think about or, now how how you think about a class like a math class, there shouldn't be no argument about yeah, a math you, class. You wouldn't think. But now that has been made vague. Or, or, you know, one and one, one apple plus one apple equals two apples, but not if little Johnny doesn't feel like it. You know, if he feels like it should be three apples, we don't want to, right, to hurt not, his which, feelings. Which is so. perfectly consistent with a gender identity. Absolutely. Stuff. Absolutely. And, and so it's, it, you, if, you, if you feel like something that's nonsense is true, well, maybe it can be true for you, which is nonsense. We, the, yep. the fact is that, that if... No absolute truth. Right. No absolutes. And, and, and that means that if there are no absolutes, that means that there is no God. When the absolute, that means there's a God. And, that, and that's one of the things about principles. Yes. Is that principles stand. Yeah. Now, sometimes, and we were talking about this earlier with the Constitution, sometimes there can be competing principles. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we get things like the discussion on collateral damage or, or things like um, sometimes the different liberty issues versus human rights issues. And so the those, those things are good discussions to have, I think, and yeah. they're valuable. And, and the fact is that sometimes we have to make judgment calls, yeah. and that's okay, too. And I think that's, that's one of the, the burdens of humanity yeah. is that judgment calls have to be made sometimes. I tell you one thing. You know, on a, can, can I add a point to that, which is <clears throat> my philosophy, and it's not only mine, of course, uh, on, on this is if someone uh, wants to uh, classify him, or herself different to the biological position in which they were born. I don't care. Meaning you can call yourself a banana uh, and I'm not trying to be frivolous. About no, no. It. You know, you, yeah. uh, however you classify yourself, uh, I, I believe that we all have uh, this set of rights in society that allows us to do stuff that other people disagree with the same way that I'm allowed to say conservative things, even though other people might say not only they disagree with it, but they find it offensive, right? Because anything they disagree with, they uh, now in the new modern left find offensive. I don't care, right? You can be as offended as you want. Go live in your marshmallow bubble. So I don't care what, how people classify themselves. And by the way, if someone asks me and I'm able to remember all of the different categories and they want to be called this or that or the other thing to the extent that it's not unduly uh, difficult for me to do it, I don't care as well. But 
what I do care about and where the left has bled this concept over, as reflected in the discussion we've been having with R.D. Sun, is that I'm allowed to think that those decisions uh, are uh, contrary to what I believe in, or I might think that they're a bad idea. By the way, I'm not saying I do or I don't. We can have that discussion. But what I'm saying is I'm allowed to think contrary to the way you think. And that's what the left does not allow us to do. So what R.D. Sun's being taught is not, hey, treat everybody nicely, uh, welcome in all people, respect all people. If they they do something that uh, don't be offensive about uh, what you believe in, but what we're not being taught is you're still allowed to believe what you believe because there is no allowance for that notion. That's the lack of diversity of thought. Alex has something to say here. Uh, yeah. well, my dad wanted to say something, but just before he does, uh, I wanted to say uh, if you have a for those listening, if you have a child who's in college or if you're in college yourself, there is organizations uh like Young Americans for Freedom or your local Young Republicans, but Young Americans for Freedom is a huge free speech organization that's on campuses. Uh, they have great conferences. I actually met my girlfriend at one uh, full of people who believe in a great country of free speech and uh, Judeo-Christian values, like you said. But my dad I was just going to say, you know, whenever we look at things, we, we go back and look and say, all right, where did we start? And, of course, we go back to the Constitution in, in referring to God as the authority for government. Then we look at where are we at and how did we get here. So we look at where we're at and how we get here and the things that we're talking about is going on on college campuses. We have to take responsibility yes. for where we're at and what we didn't do to allow us to get here. And then we look to the future and say, what are we going to do differently so that the future doesn't look like where we're at? So that's what I'm about, is I want to know, what. let's take responsibility what's going on, and what are we going to do about it differently? Well, and some of this stuff is, is uh, uh, and Robert was talking about it earlier, if someone wants to call themselves a banana, well, who cares? But the thing is, though, that you know, if, if I order a load of bananas, and and I get Robert instead, I've got a problem there. So, so the reality is that that some truth I does, am bananas. Tr- yeah, truth <laughs> does matter because the fact is that I don't want to eat Robert, and um, whereas I do want the potassium and sweetness that comes in a banana, and and so the, the thing is that that facts do matter. And if someone um, maybe I maybe I've got a a, a business where. We're going to have a bunch of people staying in a in tight quarters, and I don't want any women. Well, you know, and the fact is that, and and so if someone, yeah. if a, if a woman reclassifies herself as a man, you know, uh, there's maybe a good reason because we've got one bathroom, and and they take, uh, they share showers and they share living quarters, and we decide, I just decide that you know what, we don't need women here, and that should be my choice, and I don't think. So I think it would be inappropriate for someone to choose and say, you know what, I, I, I feel like a man today. Uh, so I think, well, I think Paul, you raise a- an interesting point, right, and an important point, which is uh, when we talk about individuals' personal choice and if they, uh, the example intentionally absurd to a point that right. I bring up of if you want to call yourself a banana, call yourself a banana. Right. <clears throat> But, of course, what I'm really relating to is if you want to call yourself a man uh, or a woman and right. you're born biologically the uh, the opposite, uh, then uh, I don't have a problem with that. T- 
to the extent that it has no impact other than our conversation. But what we've talked about on this show many times before is that does not and should not translate to, for example, uh, high school and collegiate uh, sports. That is, so uh, someone born biologically a male who now identifies as a female um, tries to compete, and we've seen examples of this on women's sports. And that person was 200th in uh, rank and now oh, ranks number one by far. Yes, because right, of biological is, differences. Right, and so, so we've got basically a man setting records in women's division, which is absurd. Because yeah, the, you'll the, eliminate the, women's sports, women's yeah, in, high school in, in and some, college sports. In some areas, you, you most certainly will, because the fact is, you know, if you if you have such a thing as women's wrestling, and and men are allowed to, to to compete, you know, that's absurd. There's there's when when we've got things like that, men are definitely better designed for that particular sport, mm-hmm. and, and many of the other physical sports. That's true as well. And, the, and to to, to to reject the notion that men and women are different, therefore they can all be equal, is just nonsense because it's biology. And so that's a that's a big deal. And Alex has something to say here. Uh, and it's kind of funny because you hear them go on all the time about the patriarchy at these colleges and stuff like that and about how men are taking over and ruining everything for them. And you get these men who are identifying as women. Who I remember Kate uh, Bruce Jenner got... Uh, Woman of the Year uh, yeah. in Times Magazine, I think it was. And it's just there, funny. There's a man taking over. Yeah, it's the men taking <laughs> over, but you're talking to the wrong guys. It's not us. <laughs> right. Well, this what, notion of patriarchy in academia is also absurd. Of course, in years past, there were far more male academics than female. Uh, but this notion that male uh, candidates have a benefit is entirely untrue. In fact, uh, women uh, are uh, not today uh, still given uh, as a general matter uh, consideration uh, for the fact that they are women in terms of the application process. As a general matter, maybe there's some exception to that. Uh, and at my school, I believe we have uh, more. Uh, I know we have more uh, female administrators than we do male administrators. And I think, but I haven't counted because I'm not into uh, this kind of nonsensical counting, but I think there are more female professors than there are male professors. Well, now, that, that's just need, one data point. We need to get a break. And so this yes. is the Dave Ellswick Show, and we will be back. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. We have most of the power panel uh, still with us. Iverson Jackson had to leave uh, to go to do a sermon at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we are recording, of course, this 6 to 7 o'clock hour show uh, in the morning. Uh, and we have R.D. son, uh, Alex, on the show with us. And I want to slightly change topics, albeit it's related. And there's another article in our favorite New York Times, I say with all sarcasm, <laughs> talking about um, – Joe Biden's pick uh, for his cabinet and other senior positions. And, of course, they focus on identity politics. There are these number of women or minorities, whatever. And Hey, how about their views? But I'm not going to focus on uh, what's inside their pants or uh, how much um, uh, a melanin they have in their skin, because I don't care. I don't care. Uh, of course, uh, humans uh, are inherently uh, equally able uh, as a notion, and individuals vary. And so I'm going to focus in on the individuals. And what is interesting uh, 
is that so far it seems that the folks that Biden is proposing overall, not entirely, to be clear, but overall are they're all liberals. Let's be clear. But within the liberal sphere, within that spread, they tend to be somewhat more moderate, which is what Biden claimed he was going to do. And yet the leftists, the progressives were very hopeful that they would be able to put their AOC types in with their entrenched far leftist ideology. And so far, with some notable exceptions, Biden has not been doing that. That's a good thing, all else being equal, right? We as conservatives who want conservative appointees, we're not going to get them. But we can either see uh, moderately left or extreme left. And between the two, we, of course, prefer prefer moderately left. And I must say, I am a little surprised that so far he's generally been sticking to his claim on that. And I want to give him credit for that. And I want to get uh, the panel's so, reaction there, too. So, so I think that's maybe a, maybe mostly a strategic move. And who knows if Biden's even making these decisions? I'll himself. take it. By the way, I'll take it. Well, and, and so I understand, and I'm 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 a little bit mixed of mixed thoughts on that because the fact is that if he would go f- just um, bone jarringly hard to the left, it, it might finish off the Democrat Party and, and just basically it would be a suicidal um, approach for them. And, and I would kind of like to see that, for, frankly. Um, because if if you really if they really did put a lot of AOC types into a lot of these administrative positions, I think a lot of the Democrats would jump ship even faster than they are now. I think that that a lot of your kind of Southern um, Democrats would have are already pretty stinking concerned um, when they see this homosexual love affair that that the Democrats have to, seem to have and and such. And so the um, so I think there's I've kind of mixed thoughts about that, but but yes, I I, I understand that, and it's somewhat comforting to know that they're that they maybe slowed the, the the boat down to forty miles an hour instead of eighty miles an hour toward the cliff, and and so that's um, it's what it is, but it's not unexpected. I think. Rd, what do you think? Well, it's definitely a good thing for the country. And, you know, the, the AOC types want to head towards socialism and Marxism at 100 miles an hour. And that w- would be to the detriment of the Democrat, Democratic Party, Democrat Party. And I think Biden is probably using common sense. And it, he would like to be thought of as a good president. And the Democrats do want to win the next election. The thing is, by doing this... I believe they've rallied their troops together from the AOC types and the Black Lives Matters groups that want to do away the police officers and everything. They were disillusioned, I believe, to think that Biden would go hard left. So the question, you know, it's a good thing that he's not, but the question is, uh, are are the terrorist groups going to continue to burn cities now? You know, we thought that all that rights and stuff would be over with. But I think his his moderate choices are what some would call moderate. I mean, they're moderate compared to to uh, some of the people on the far left. But his what the left would call moderate uh, people uh, is this is going to 
uh, make the terrorist organizations uh, mad. It's going to make AOC mad and her group mad, and uh, hopefully it will be will fragment the Democratic Party. But I think he's trying to be uh, not destroy the country quickly because uh, it's more effective to do it slowly. We've got about two minutes, y'all, just so we know. Okay. If I might, I think it's just smart politicking. I mean, as it usually goes, is that he was using those riots, his entire campaign, saying that he was going to be the advocate for BLM, saying he was going to be the advocate for all these people in the streets who are burning down buildings, because that's who everyone's afraid of right now. I know there's a good amount of people who might just voted for Biden just so they wouldn't lose their houses, Mm. because you see people who have these riot groups rolling up in their neighborhood and they're pointing at their lawn saying look look i and voted for biden please don't hurt me they're afraid to 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 have anybody other than biden because he, of the the violence that might come about he, they wanted he wanted to use their intimidation to get his uh, election up. and now that he's in he's he, he actually is showing he's not sharing so much as the same views as them although the his recent um announcement of his plans or his desire to to make it um, so that people with some automatic um, yeah. weapons would have to register them and, and pay a big tax. And Thank you, Robert. Them. Let them yeah. try. Here's the music starting, so the, the show is over or coming to an end. Thank you, Robert. Thank you all. And, Thanks for uh, having me. Think about Dave Ellswick and his family. He's asked for his for prayers on behalf of his brother, so that's a kind of a hard time for Dave, and um, hopefully he'll be back tomorrow. And... Um, Y'all have a good week.